0: Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that unplugs the booster junkies from the Matrix and otherwise uh, stimulates free and independent thought uh, while critiquing the weekly news. I'm Kevin Barrett, and Kat McGuire is our co-host this week. Hey, welcome, Kat.
1: Hey, Kevin. Hi. Glad to be here.
0: It's good to have you. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned earlier that Cynthia McKinney is a hard act to follow, but if anybody can follow Cynthia, it would be you. So oh, let's you. go for it. How How about... The uh, top stories here, uh, the the rubric is the revolution will not be televised. But before we get there, I guess we do have to do our disclaimers. So first, uh, question everything. And if you don't, uh, you're in the wrong place. Uh, be very disturbed, as you see disturbing material on our show. And if that's hard on your circulatory system, maybe you shouldn't be injecting those things. And then finally, uh, don't take our medical advice, especially what I just said. Uh, don't listen to me or Kat, because we are not medical doctors. We are just speaking our minds in accordance with the First Amendment. So, let's move on to the great stories. Okay, here's our our image for the week, the uh, the Matrix image, uh, and uh, you know I, I think they're giving up on this like boost people every every three months and every three weeks and on and on every three days every three hours. It's it's going to have to end at some point. So, um, meanwhile, uh, you heard it here first okay let 's get to the trucker thing the, the the freedom convoy this was the big story of the week cat uh People are being inspired to stand up for freedom by this all over the you know the kids are marching without the masks on high schools and on and on and on is, is this the revolution, and why are they so slow to televise it they, The mainstream didn 't even cover this thing until just a day or two ago
1: um yeah it's uh it's pretty crazy it's been. A very exciting ride for those of us who are armchair uh, convoy watchers. It's, it's been really great um, to see somebody finally stand up to the man, and it looks like uh, they're making progress. So it's interesting that there's been a standoff between the police in Ottawa. Um, it, um, they have been talking with police all along throughout and have had wonderful rapport with the police, except for the Ottawa police. And that is where there's a deep conflict happening right now.
0: Mm, interesting how capital cities have police departments uh, that can come into conflict with demonstrators. So we saw that in D.C. as well, to a certain extent. Uh, well, how, how about this GoFundMe freezing their their money? They raised millions to support this protest to get food and fuel. And this is all for, for nonviolent free speech activity. And yet uh, go F me is effing them just like they effed me and stole over a thousand of my money. They're stealing millions of the truckers money. Uh, at some point, somebody's got to go and deal with this and, and you know, stop into the, the go F me's offices and tell them to stop operating this way.
1: Yeah, Um the um, organizer said that the first time the rumors ran around that they were being stopped, it, it, that's all it was, was rumors. And it was cutting down their flow of income. And um, um, his name's Benjamin Dichter. He's one of the um, leaders. And in a press conference, he was saying, no, no, we didn't have any problems. It was more uh, logistical. Anyone who gets to a certain level of millions that we have a conversation. So it looked like there was some kind of, uh, trying to stop the funding but this one now they stopped the funding because um the Ottawa police proactively told them that these people are violent you know, you'd have to look far and wide with a magnifying glass to find any kind of violence going on with these groups. Um, and based on that alone, the Ottawa police saying it, um, they said, um, we're cutting off your account. So it's in legal dispute right now because they haven't had any due process just because the Ottawa police say that they're violent. And so GoFundMe then gets to say, well, you've um, violated the community standards. And supposedly they're going to just try to take um, the entire 10 million and just give it to charity because the protesters supposedly violated the stand- community standards. Um, and what was happening was when people got word of it, everybody was taking their money out and asking um, for uh, withdrawal of their donation. And that's when they really stopped because um, GoFundMe was giving people until February 12th to take their money out. And it, it was probably just a tsunami of withdrawals that they just stopped and said, no. This is done with. So um, the I was listening to a press conference last night with the lawyers um, of the convoy uh, protesters. And I just don't see how finally someone like you couldn't do it. But now um, we may be getting a court of law for people who have had um, their accounts just shut down because nine million dollars and the whole world watching. Um, hopefully, we'll all have our day in court with GoFundMe and these other big tech uh, commissars who think they can uh, control our speech and our donations
0: and funding. Well, I was limited in my ability to push back against GoFMe, but I did uh, have my lawyer friend Bruce Leichty send a certified letter to their headquarters uh in in the bay area Uh that so that's about as far as i was able to go but hopefully the truckers will go a lot farther and uh and show these these scam artists <laughs> some fear of god because well, this is just outrageous uh first amendment protected activity i guess in canada they don't have a first amendment but still uh international conventions do defend freedom of opinion freedom of expression and so on and so forth and it'd be nice if the big internet oligarchs would respect that well in our next story we have a related uh item here uh, wait a minute how is this related cat okay tucker, tucker Carlson is the most watched news show among 25 to 54 year old democrats it has a stranglehold on independents and of course republicans uh 58% of independents watch it msnbc only gets 25% cnn gets 17 so so what's the relationship between the convoy story uh, and the fox news dominance and especially tucker carlson dominance of public affairs programming
1: well, there's been a total blackout um, in mainstream media, um, alt media, um, alt left media of the whole convoy story. It, it's just extraordinary. It's one of the most. Um, it's a historic moment in the history of humanity, really, where um, grassroots working class efforts have really uh, um, have the stranglehold on the Canadian Parliament right now. It is it is is an extraordinary standoff, all peaceful. And it's as if it didn't exist. Like if a tree falls in the woods, but you don't hear it, did it really fall? Well, yes, this is really happening. And Tucker has been right up front there with um, um, talking about it. And people are coming his way, not just for this, but for everything. But what's crazy about um, the story is that leftists have always supposedly been for the workers. This is nothing but a working class um, revolution almost against um, these uh, psychopathic globalists. And not a single leftless, uh, leftist outlet has covered the convoy story. And I'm talking Counterpunch, Intercept, The Nation, Democracy Now!, Truthdig, Common Dreams, Mother Jones. None of them are even mentioning the existence of a convoy. It's incredible. Um, Glenn Greenwald was actually um, with Matt Taibbi in a Zoom, and it looked like uh, the whole crowd was leftists who left the left. And one person admitted that until now, um, he never watched Tucker, but starting a year ago, he started listening, and um, he had never done that before. So there are a lot of people who uh, Tucker are reaching, where they actually see, instead of fantasy concocted reporting, they're actually seeing really things happening, like the convoys.
0: So if the media didn't cover this Freedom Convoy, which, as you say, is one of the biggest stories of our time, uh, right up until just a day or two ago when they started sliming it, uh, an even worse and longer period of a total media blackout, followed by a sudden sliming, was uh, around RFK Jr.'s bestseller, The Real Anthony Fauci, which was at the top of the bestseller list for weeks, And never even mentioned in any of this official media, whether it's the official mainstream media or the official foundation-funded so-called left media, they blacked him out completely. So in our next slide, we see uh, RFK Jr. giving that historic speech at the Lincoln Memorial on democracy in an era of intrusive technologies. You would think the left, which includes most of the civil libertarians, or at least it used to, would be leaping to its feet and cheering for RFK Jr. uh, as he goes after these big corporations and these billionaire CEOs and so on, the usual villains of the left and shows what a bunch of uh, scumbag scam artist psychopaths they are. However, yes, we're not in that world anymore. There's no more real left left. And so they blacked him out. And, uh, you know, this, this speech is really good. And, you know, I tried to debate Gordon Duff on this speech. I tried to find somebody who could poke holes in the facts that RFK Jr. Cites in the speech. And, uh, all Gordon Duff would do is do a Mona shake imitation, you know, screaming and yelling and, and changing the subject. So I, I'm afraid that RFK Junior.'s Speech stands unrefuted at this point. And, and if you haven't read it and listened to it yet, you should.
1: Yeah. It's incredible because he really sees the big picture. Um, he's, a- Uh, able to talk about beyond the mandates. It's not about vaccines. He's painting the picture of totalitarianism. And that's why he is so pilloried. But I see him as the greatest leader of the freedom movement that we have right now. And he's not just an intellectual giant. He's a courageous, spiritual leader.
0: So the revolution will not be televised until, after, like, long after it's started. Then they'll react and try to slime it and attack it and throw rotten fruit at it. And that's what they're doing, of course, to not only the trucker convoy, but also RFK Jr. now. Uh, and here's an example, the New York Post, I believe it is, telling us that, oh, my God, this guy's making money because he wrote a best-selling book. And then in the article... They admit that they go through this long story about how well let's figure out how much he's making from this book. Well, he sold, you know, almost four hundred thousand hardback copies at thirty two fifty each and with the usual royalty rate, blah, blah, blah. He should be making three million dollars. Oh my God, what a what a greedy But wait a minute, he's giving it all to charity. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't make this stuff up.
1: Well, beyond charity, um, the money's being used for war chests for legal battles directly confronting them. So, you know, it's not going to private jets, mansions, or Swiss bank accounts. It's going for the people to fight these psychopaths.
0: Man, yeah. So it's, it's pretty hilarious when the way they attack him is, oh, oh, he, he, he has a best-selling book. So, oh, they, they, oops, we mentioned that he has a, has a best-selling book. Oh, we weren't supposed to mention that book. Somebody might buy it. Uh, well, people are already buying it. It's too late. Why don't you guys just, you know, tell the truth and just openly discuss these things? But I guess that'll never happen. We're living in an Orwellian world with a propaganda media that would put the, the Russians with their Tass and pravda to the shame back in the bad old days. Uh and and really one of the biggest cover-ups in the media has, of course, been the issue of the origin of this whole scandemic, which is obviously a biological warfare origin, whether it was accidental or much more likely on purpose. Uh and here's another kind of hilarious story. Uh this was published in the UK Telegraph, one of the more prestigious papers out of the UK. And it uh reports on biowar suspect, uh Jeremy Farrar, Sir Jeremy, as he's been dubbed. Uh he's he's basically threatening us. He's telling us that anybody talking about the lab leak theory, the idea that this COVID virus could possibly be a bioweapon, is putting the world at risk of a terrible new pandemic. So what's he he's telling? he saying we released COVID and we're gonna release something a lot worse if you guys come after us. So shut up. At least that's my interpretation of this story. Uh, how about you, Kat?
1: Well, it's crazy because the official narrative is unraveling left and right. Even uh, triple vax, double boosted people are defecting. And so when you get these psychopaths like Jeremy Farrar, um, they're in a double down frenzy, but it's just all bluster because this part is the losing battle, but these globalists are far from over with their war. Um, and we the people cannot be lulled into taking victory laps, no matter how um, successful Ottawa is looking. Um, these people are pretty bad. They're, they're not, I don't think they're going to back down. So he sounds absurd when even many of his peers are backing down um and because the narrative is unraveling. But um I hate to language it, but I think their war against humanity is going to make the next two to three years worse than 2020 and 2021 combined. So, we can't laugh at him it, who, that he's still behind the eight ball and hasn't gotten word. Um, just because we may win in this battle, um, of the narrative, um, unraveling. This, this is uh, a long battle ahead of us. Oui. We have-
0: yeah. Like I said, it sounds like he's threatening us. Uh, You know, if if you come after us uh, for this virus, we're going to create an even worse one and uh you're going to be dead and you won't be able to come after us. I and mean, that sounds like what he's saying to me. And this guy is such a blatant liar exposed by the mainstream as as lying about uh, back in February of 2020. He was emailing back and forth with Anthony Fauci. uh, And he's on the record in those emails saying that the the this it's a likely the likely explanation is that this is a bioweapon he said he was 70 30 or 60 40 in favor of it being a bioweapon or a lab leak and then a week later, he completely changed his tune and spearheaded this effort to cover up the fact that this is probably a bioweapon and to make this ridiculous argument about bats and pangolins and force that on the world and convince all the big tech companies to, to deplatform you if you even whisper about it being a bioweapon. And so now he, here he is, uh, you know, in, in danger of uh, some serious legal consequences for those lies and that cover up. And threatening us that he's going to release another bioweapon. So this guy obviously has to go behind bars ASAP, uh, quick drag him off to the war crimes tribunals. Um, and, and speaking of, of insane official responses to this scandemic, uh, how about the the failed COVID containment measures, which are now uh, basically being admitted that they failed, but, you know, went over. 10, 12 countries in Europe are just ending all of these containment measures, admitting that they failed. And here's a study that uh, is quoted by Fox, uh, maybe not your favorite source, but still the study itself looks pretty solid, showing that a meta-analysis found that there were essentially no real public health benefits to all of the lockdowns that cost, shifted trillions in the global economy to the trillionaires and and killed everybody else. So they killed us twice, once with the virus and once with the totally useless lockdowns. And now science is admitting the lockdowns were worthless.
1: Well, the kicker is that Johns Hopkins was part of this meta-analysis. That's really big of John, Johns Hopkins, given that they are one of the key perpetrators themselves of the disastrous lockdowns. So they're just untrustworthy liars. But the other thing that I really liked that the report came out with was it's not just the lockdowns. Um, they talked about non pharma intervention wasn't helpful as well, which is the mass, so the whole kitten caboodle um was not effective. um I think Johns Hopkins didn't even put a uh, press release about this out they, We haven't seen it far and wide, so you know this is their correction, this is their well, oops, sorry, we were wrong, but where's our day in court so that everybody knows it outright?
0: You know, unlike the previous Johns Hopkins scandal, when their professor, Genevieve Briand, questioned the uh, overall uh, death by all causes numbers, and that led to a long kerfluffle that I won't go into the details now. Uh, This time, it's not something that they can really question. I mean, this looks like a very solid study. They're not going to deny it. They're not going to retract it. They're just going to try to keep their mouths shut and hope nobody notices it. But it's not going to work. Uh, So... You no know, COVID containment measures, total failure. The virus has been spreading everywhere, just just as well, whether you're masked or unmasked, locked down or non lockdown down, vaccinated or unvaccinated. All populations are getting it pretty much equally. No evidence whatsoever that any of these interventions works. The one intervention that at least one false flag weekly news person thinks uh, could work is N95s. Our producer Alan um, is a uh, supporter of N95s, but here's a, an article by Steve Kirsch. Uh, questioning that, uh, he points out that the, there's, they, it looks like they might work for a while, like two hours maybe, and maybe a little longer if you're in the purified air of a hospital or something, but that the electrostatic effects are not long lasting and that they're, in fact, the real world studies, which is where you always have to go to look at this stuff, actual control, ideally controlled studies, don't give us any evidence that these things actually work. So uh, the guy who commented that, hey, I'm guessing the Chinese company making these masks bought a painting by Hunter Biden uh, could be correct.
1: (laughs) Well, I just have so little patience for anyone who gives any credence to mask or even that this coronavirus is more than the nasty common cold that it is. Um, Yeah, for older people, it can be dangerous, but uh, a mask and then for Steve Kirsch to uh, be saying, well, the P100 better. I don't, I don't want any mass. It's all stupid. And I don't appreciate him also, uh, putting out there high tech breathing apparatuses that maybe we'd want that. No, I'm a natural human and I breathe natural air. So I resent him promoting mechanized technology to do what humans do naturally. And as long as mother nature's air is still safe to breathe, I'm going to stick with the technology that our divine creator distributed to free, uh, for free to all of us, which is being able to breathe with our own lungs naturally.
0: Okay. Well, I agree with most of that. Uh, I do think that you know, it looks to me like uh, COVID has been um, nastier than any flus that I've ever experienced, not only based on my own experience of it, which yeah it was medium bad. Uh, but, uh, looking at friends, I, you know, we lost John Shuck, the uh, false flag weekly news co-host to something that just destroyed his lungs. And and they said the only way he'd survive is a lung transplant. He died. And this, this is having other people, you know, I've had Dave Gary, my friend, uh, American free press colleague was hospitalized for, I think four or five months with his lungs totally trashed by COVID. And he's still on oxygen uh, months after that. And And on and on, uh, Jim Fetzer was hospitalized, uh, for for covid uh fortunately he recovered and uh who else uh there's there there are enough now of people i know uh as well as the reports so i've always been saying that yeah this probably is what they say it is it you know it kills one in 200 uh certain number of people of all age groups many more in the higher age groups show up at the doctor's office and you x-ray them and they have what looks like ground glass in their lungs Uh, so there's something especially nasty about this bioweapon. It's not, it's not the plague. It's, you know, it's not smallpox, but it's, it is nasty. It was designed as an anti-economy bioweapon and it's pretty good one.
1: Um, well, I would say two things to that. I think, um, um, bless John, uh, um, but he, he got put on a respirator. Those respirators are a death sentence and that's what they've been doing in hospitals is collecting all kinds of money for putting people on respirators. So um, I think that's more part of the problem. What I want to see is when all is said and done, can we compare deaths from common colds um, that old people have always gotten or older people or even regular population there's always been colds from always been deaths from colds and flu's always can we compare those with true covid deaths not the ones that are comorbidities and i bet it's about equal people have died from getting the common cold and then getting pneumonia so it i don't it's a nastier um but i don't think it's um um it's not the covid i'm i am i am sick of talking about covid it's a mm-hmm. bioweapon thank you and that's all it is it's not this common cold where you wear a mask
0: well i i think it's a, bi- a bioweapon much nastier than cold or flu but i don't think these masks actually help um, but that's uh we'll we'll have to partially agree partially disagree on that and uh, move on to some of the other uh, uh, effects of these covid containment measures such as the total destruction of the global economy especially everybody towards the bottom end of it. Um, Some of the people at the top have benefited. Uh, So our our next story is about these two shortages uh, among the many cascading uh, catastrophes to come out of all these totally useless lockdowns and such are uh, shortages of all sorts of things. And the two key ones in this story are fertilizer and chips. Mmm, fertilizer and chips sounds delicious, doesn't it? No, seriously, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, computer chips and and fertilizer. And it's really not that funny. Um, the uh, fertilizer shortage is taking out uh, the equivalent of a 100 million people's worth of food pr- production in Africa alone, according to this article. And uh the chip prices are responsible for the auto shortages driving this massive inflation. So the global economy is still getting crushed by the COVID bioweapon, um, or probably most of the damage actually has been not by the bioweapon itself, but by the totally useless and destructive responses to the bioweapon, just as was intended by the people who unleashed the bioweapon.
1: <laughs> yep, Exactly. Um, I love what the article said North Korea is doing. They're encouraging their people to make homemade manure. I mean, that's great. Honey pots. It's a great natural yeah. solution. And, 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 and
0: if people want, uh, the lowdown on, uh, fertilizing your garden with humanure, just read Joe Jenkins, The Humanure Handbook. It's a classic and it's a hilarious read, even if you don't decide to start composting humanure.
1: Yeah. Um, well, there A fertilizer plant exploded recently in North Carolina, and that reminds me of other fires that um, have been happening with all these granaries. So I think there's a conspiracy underneath all of that. And in terms of the um, semiconductor supply chain at risk and inventories dangerously low, um, the um, Department of Commerce is suggesting that, um, the administration put fifty two billion towards domestic computer chip production. Um, they should have thought of that years ago when they sent so much um u s production a- abroad just to appease finance capital um so it 's in a really bad situation that finance capital made for themselves, and we know who they are
0: indeed. Well, speaking of failed COVID containment measures, the Ar- Army is doing more useless, stupid COVID containment measures by firing the vax resistors. Now, I totally disagree with this, but I do think that the service members who have gotten vaxxed should be awarded a Purple Heart uh, for being wounded in the line of duty. Um, I mean, th- th- think about Gulf War syndrome. You know, my, I, I knew an activist, one of the leading activists on Gu- Gulf War syndrome, back in the '90s. And my goodness, you know, the vaccines that they shot everybody up with when they sent them over to fight that first Gulf War was uh, that 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 just was a major part of this syndrome that totally ruined the lives of hundreds of thousands of people.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, unlike civilians who can just quit their job, soldiers have much more significant consequences because they can face dishonorable discharge and uh, for failing to obey orders. And that would um, subject them to court-martial for noncompliance. There's a lieutenant in the army who is currently being tried. And what they're also doing is uh, forcing these people um, in the military to have conversations with a chaplain and be grilled about their religious practices. Well, that's not done in the civilian world at all. So they're having a, a whole different layer of... Um, Um, psychological warfare being done against them um, and and actual um, consequences and penalties than many civilians do. So my heart goes out to these poor military guys.
0: Okay, so if that's a stupid COVID containment measure, uh, get a load of this next one, Um, the possibility of being vaccinated with PCR tests by way of this Johns Hopkins again uh, invention. The Thera Gripper. It was inspired by a parasitic worm that digs its sharp teeth into the intestines of its host, and uh, they can use it to inject uh, vaccines into you through a swab. Now, let's check the debunking. Let's go to John Hopkins and see what do they say about this. Well, what they say is that this nanotechnology has shown promise in a laboratory setting. However, it is still in its infancy and has not been approved for use in humans. So translation from the BS... This stealth technology to vaccinate people secretly against their will does exist, but it's not far along enough yet to use. But, hey, when and if it is ready to use, we will, of course, tell you. Except, wait a minute, then it wouldn't be a secret stealth technology to vaccinate people against their will, would it? So uh, <laughs> we better stop uh while we're ahead. And <laughs> so anyway, I always thought this was one of those uh probably false conspiracy theories. But now that you forced me to actually read it, Kat, um, I'm not so sure.
1: Well, what's interesting about it is they did one animal test that they claimed in a um, story in a medical journal worked flawlessly um, as a long-term drug delivery system implanted in the GI tract. Um, But what's um, what it is, is it's a tiny metal micro device. It's no bigger than a dust particle, as you can see by the picture, and it shapeshifts shape shifts and then clamps itself on the wall of the colon and gradually releases its drug load and can be eliminated eliminated um within 24 hours from the body. And I read the abstract and there are major side effects. It can cause heart attacks and even death, some of that stuff that's in the the Theragripper. But here's the kicker. This is you can't make this stuff up. The TheraGripper, if you look at the design, and it's in that very article, if you scroll down and look at the design, the tiny micro device is in the shape of a six-sided star.
0: Wow. (laughs) Who'd have thunk it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. So, so, yeah, I guess, I guess when they Theragrip everybody will know that the Antichrist has arrived. Um, <laughs> hopefully that hasn't happened yet. Okay. Let, let's move on to our next category because this is too disgusting. The uh, the kneel and the damage done. Uh, the hippies have become the cops, uh, and so this this piece from The Spectator tell, uh, says, "Take a bow flower children you 've officially become the authoritarians you always warned us about it 's like a take off on that uh, we 've become the people our parents warned us against right so the 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 rebel without a cause generation is turned into nurse ratchet, and Neil Young is prime evidence for that uh, what do you think Kat, about this Neil Young trying to chase Joe Rogan off of Spotify as the next slide e Michael Jones uh, parody puts it, uh, which by the way, shout out to false flag. We- Weekly News co-host E. Michael Jones for this great parody.
1: Oh, his parody was spot on. It was it was brilliant. I, I couldn't believe he had metamorphized into Neil Young himself. It was it was uh, excellent.
0: Yeah, Mike is um, a man of many talents.
1: Well, I think part of what's going on is well, now Neil Young has a deal with Amazon, an arch billionaire for the planet, so we know what side he's on. But worse, um, it's been reported, well, it, it, it's true, Blackstone owns half of Neil Young's music rights. So Blackstone, we'll get to them later um, when we talk about real estate and housing market, but Blackstone is also in partnership with Pfizer. So Neil Young is connected to Blackstone and Pfizer through his music deals. And who knew that um, Blackstone also has its own biomedical department and has brought 114 medicines to market, so Neil Young is is not just uh, spouting off against Spotify. He's deep in bed with uh, these psychopaths.
0: Well, I was disappointed in Neil too, so I also did a parody of Neil. I didn't know Mike had already done one, or I would have just uh, let him do it. But uh, so so mine is up uh, as well on uh, what is that uh, a Rumble? Uh, People can find it by way of my Rumble account. So moving on to communism watch. uh, We have a white nationalism watch, a racism watch, a communism watch, all this kind of fun stuff. Uh, We'll start with Tessalina, whose article on the Soviet Man and Groundhog Day points out that she says she's looking at the freshly indoctrinated people of today and seeing the generation of my grandparents. Well, people today she's seeing are Americans and her grandparents were uh, Russian communists. And she sees the same uh, mentality reappearing here. I don't know. I, I I always thought, you know, some communism, you know, communism is is, is a mixed bag. Andrei Volcek, uh, my commie friend, was actually a brilliant thinker and social critic. Um but I s I get I see what she's getting at here about this kind of uh mentality uh among uh, communists and and woke people and, and vaccine uh mandators and things like that.
1: Well Tessa is a fabulous writer. She writes about politics, philosophy, and technology. And having grown up um, on the tail end of the Soviet Union, she talks about the Soviet man. So. it's really kind of different than communism as this abstract idealistic concept Mm -hmm. and the Soviet man that she grew up with, which is about the obedience to authority and Mm -hmm. also having been beaten down by authority. And I love the title, how um, she sees in the U.S. that we're becoming a shadow of that Soviet man, like the groundhog. But she just had some uh, really good um, um, evocative writing, she said, it's like watching the very beginning of the movie whose ending I saw as a kid in the collapsing USSR. I think it's a great comparison.
0: And indeed, the sort of officially imposed uh, pseudo-leftist ideology of uh, Stalinism, for example, uh, or post-Stalin-USSR, when she grew up, does remind us a little bit of sort of the officially imposed quasi leftist like anti racist and this and that all of this this woke ideology does bear some comparisons to that in our uh, our next slide uh, we we notice that the ADL the anti defecation anti defamation league uh is once again uh playing its shenanigans i mean i i love these people they they honor me every year or two giving me a new fatwa uh, against my work uh, I think I've been honored by the ADL, you know, more than by any other organization and <laughs> probably most more than most other folks like me have been. Anyway, so this was really weird, Kat. Wasn't it how they, they changed their definition of racism to make it only whites who could be racist? And there's the definition right up there on the screen. And then they had to change it back right or change it, change it again so that they could go ahead and lynch Whoopi, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> for saying uh, – blasphemous things about the Holocaust. These people are, are, you know, they're they're unintentional comedians like, like Mona Shake.
1: (laughs) Well, what's really sickening is that they're demanding all of us function in a society like we're apartheid South Africa or something nitpicking skin color. So we know you can't legislate these racial differences. It didn't work in South Africa. What next? I'm measuring craniums. But, um, I know we're going to talk about Whoopi later, but with regards to this, uh, race definition that they've come up with, um, Whoopi goes straight to the issue of whether Jews are white, people of color, neither or both. So ADL is the big commissar who gets to censor everybody. And here they have this bold definition for race, but they never trotted it out in their flogging of Whoopi. Why is that? I contend it's because the ADL's definition does not account for Jews. So that allows them a lot of leeway to play both sides of the fence, white when they want to be, oppressed minority when that works. And so if ADL had brought up their race definition that they use in all their adjudications, um, if they had brought that up in the public conversation, um, they'd not only have to explain where Jews fit in that definition, but more people might catch on that Jews have set the definition up so that they can play the race card both ways. So here you have Whoopi, citing woke ideology, chapter and verse, and the Jewish angle hasn't necessarily been sorted out. So instead of using this as a teachable moment to educate the public about their big race definition, ADL instead reverted to its usual MO. One, shaming, they shamed Whoopi. Two, crying victim of anti-Semitism. Three, they hurled the usual ad hominems. And four, the biggest... They um, exploited it, uh, the huge media attention to blast their official Holocaust narrative of information and misinformation far and wide.
0: And uh, of course, they're going to do that. That's their job. Um, Well, this business of only the white people can be racist is is so uh, ingrained these days that even if you're not white, if you hang around with any white people who are happy or proud to be white, which... That's, I mean, I'm, I don't really identify as somebody who's happy and proud to be white. That doesn't, that's just not me, but there are these people out there like that, but don't hang around with them, no matter what race you are, or you will be banned from Airbnb. Well, that's what happened apparently to Michelle Malkin. Uh, she's clearly not white, uh, by most people's definitions, and yet she's now not allowed to stay in an Airbnb anymore because she, I guess, spoke or attended some rally that included the Holocaust denier, Nicholas Fuentes. Uh, so either you, you can't like, can you get blacklisted from motel? I mean, she, she won't be able to stay anywhere. She'll have to sleep in her car now because she goes to some event that Airbnb doesn't like. Uh, I, I've actually seen Nicholas Fuentes work and it's not, it's really not that bad. It's actually quite intelligent and provocative. So, I mean, this is, this seems like, uh, you know, free speech and common sense has totally gone by the wayside.
1: Yes, and they're able to use uh, discrimination um, in all manners of our life to do it, what restaurants we can go into, where we can get lodging. Uh, But it's also, I find it kind of similar to um, in the corporate world, chief technology officers um, have to block hate speech. Well, they have no idea what traffic uh, to politically adjudicate on their servers is hate speech. And so um CTOs um outsource almost their entire decision making to tech companies um that um then monitor like ADL um the speech on uh, company computers and i wouldn't doubt if ADL itself has their fingers in those tech blocker companies so ADL is not just doing its own and advocating they're weaseling their way into companies um, at like airbnb and trying to tell them how to uh, what the word is uh, what race is um and who can say what and it's it 's really quite an infringement on our rights, their ability to um adjudicate what we do through these uh companies
0: isn't being canceled, so you can't do this and you can't do that because you're not vaccinated or you have the wrong political beliefs. this is insane uh, well moving on to another uh white nationalism watch story. Uh, there was a series of bomb threats at historically black colleges. This in the wake of Ivy League schools getting similar threats in November and then uh ca- campuses in Ohio and California following that. Uh, these were all deemed to be not credible. And now uh, these 17 historically black colleges have canceled classes. And whatever is going on here, whether it's a false flag or not, we should note that there is a history of uh, the black community being terrorized in in America for, you know, in, in both the civil rights era and uh, and before that. Uh, so who knows whether this is a continuation of that or whether uh, this is some attempt to essentially flog a dead horse and make it look like that kind of extreme racism is still a huge threat when maybe it isn't so much anymore. Who knows?
1: Well, I um, have a uh, possibility. There was zero proof of any threat whatsoever. Nothing was found at all.
0: So um, you're saying Jesse Smollett did it.
1: Um, or maybe well, called
0: his Nigerian friends.
1: What I'd like to do is give an example because I think this whole story might be a hoax. And so the example in the past was, I'm sure you remember, Kevin, in 2017, there was this wave of anti-Semitic threats against synagogues. Cemetery headstones were supposedly knocked down and it was found out to be um, all fake. A Jewish guy himself had made all these calls, but as an a Israeli middle,
0: American uh, a young man uh, who was living in Israel, an Israeli American man whose uncle happened to be Uncle Mordecai, I think, was the guy's name. One of the nastiest, most extreme racists at a high level in the Shin Bet, uh, notorious Israeli intelligence organization. So that was a big scam, obviously. This, right. I don't know.
1: Well, well, well. I, I have a point to make. Um, just to end that one, the big result of. Um, That um, hate hoax, that anti-Semitic hate hoax, was um, that Amazon delisted hundreds of titles of uh, dissident scholarly literature on the Holocaust. And some people contend that the whole hate hoax was, and they never, they never uh, re-put up these books. They were, remained delisted. And some people contend that the whole purpose of the hate hoax was to have the cyber book burning of revisionist literature. So what does this have to do with these Racist threats. Well, they got huge headlines and flooded the zeitgeist with the fear of white supremacism. They didn't even have to say it in New York Times in this article because that's the zeitgeist right now. And so they put this out there. Um, all these kids, um, had to leave school and the whole article talked about how fearful they are. Well, fearful of what and who? Well, we know they didn't have to say it, but here's the point. The trial for the January 6th political prisoners is coming up pretty soon, February 23rd. And, and, I would and that's say, our next slide, actually. is. Well, I would yeah. say here that it's plausible that this whole story was concocted, um, the whole event, all these threats, was concocted to impact the trial in a backhand way by planting public opinion with a fear-mongering white supremacist narrative to uh, shadow what's coming up February 23rd.
0: Well, that's certainly possible. Uh, we do know that Michael Kadar and his uncle Mordecai of Shinbet were responsible for those anti-Jewish uh, hate messages and uh, threats and toppling of... Head- well, I guess the headstones just fell over by themselves, but, uh, but Michael Kadar and his uncle Mordecai did the rest of it. So maybe something like that is going on now. Well, uh, we are seeing fear-mongering around uh, Trumpism, and uh, the next story is that Trump is escalating his racist rhetoric. Um, so what is this racist rhetoric? Well, he said he, he, wants to take back that beautiful, beautiful house that happens to be white, <laughs> oh, man. uh, as, uh, he's, uh, promising to pardon the January 6th prisoners. I'm not sure that's racist. Uh, and, uh, the expert here who says that Trump is escalating his racism is a guy named Casey Kelly, who's a professor at the university of Nebraska. And he says that Trump always has a nose for white victimhood. So what do you think? Uh is is there a, a terrible white supremacist threat and it's being led by Donald Trump?
1: Donald Trump is a Bulgarian opportunist, and I could go on and on about how much I loathe him. But what I'm more concerned about, the article, for example, said he's a front runner. Um only in the mainstream media is Donald Trump in top 10 stories. In the alt media, he barely figures anymore. Yes, he gets crowds and he's gonna be president for life, so of course he'll get crowds. But it's a non-story, it's a nothing burger covering Donald Trump. And there's two reasons the mainstream media covers Donald Trump still um, to mix metaphors. Um, they're still beating this dead horse to death for the cash cow because the mainstream media is bankrupt financially and intellectually. You
0: know, but this- this bar- barnyard language is, is quite offensive, Kat. Just kidding. Uh,
1: all right. Well, I'll okay. go on. And that is the second, um, reason besides he's, he's, they're, they're losing money and he, uh, props them up. But the second reason that they're making Trump a thing still, um, is that Trump is a platform on which the mainstream media can spew their anti deplorable, anti white hate propaganda into the zeitgeist. And basically, the mainstream need, media need Trump the way Zionists need anti Semitism. And I contend, Kevin, that us giving Um, we giving these nothing burger stories attention, we're subjecting our audience to this journalistic grift. I say let's spare our audience these mainstream media Trump stories that are of marginal value at best, if not outright lies. Well,
0: How about this next one where uh, Representative Pete Aguilar of California accuses Trump of witness tampering because he's dangling pardons in front of the January 6th protesters?
1: Um, I'm going to ignore that angle of the mainstream media nothing story about Trump and focus on we need to shine light on the huge stories that actually are happening about January 6th. Um, we'll get to the FBI intervention later, but the whole lie of Officer Sicknick was killed by protesters with fire extinguisher or bear spray. Uh, that has a whole story because he actually died funny the next day, having nothing to do with um, the January 6th protest. And then there's the big one where not one, but two women were murdered by police on January 6th, the other being Roseanne Boylan, who they won't even discuss and then finally, um, we hear almost nothing of the six to 700 political prisoners who are being treated like they did 9-11, most on trivial charges. They're facing up to 10 years in prison for trespassing and parading. Where is Amnesty International? These people are undergoing lockdowns, harassments, beatings. One guy lost an eye. Um, they can't communicate um, easily with their family or their lawyers um, in solitary confinement. There's at least one hunger strike going on. And I recently listened to uh, one political uh, prisoner who was in jail for a while. And was uh, he said that he had to listen to political propaganda, re-education of why what they did was so bad. These are the stories that need reporting, not some stupid Trump angle.
0: Well, I would think that kind of re-education would probably backfire. Uh, I guess we'll see about that. Well, uh, well, we'll talk some more, I guess, about the January 6th, uh, issue of those, uh, deaths and the questionable way the deaths have been reported. Speaking of the way that questionable ways deaths get reported, uh, here's a, a very detailed Dorchester Review article, uh, arguing that the hysteria over mass Native American graves in Kamloops, Canada has been grossly exaggerated. Uh, wait a minute. Is this article Native American Holocaust denial? well, I don't think anybody's going to jail soon for, for publishing stuff like this because there's only one Holocaust you're absolutely not allowed to talk about. Um But in any case, this article argues that there are no mass graves that have actually been found. There's just like a few disturbances that could have been anything. Um And I guess it would be easier to miss 200 people than 6 million in mass graves. Uh, we won't go there though. <laughs> uh, so do you, What what, what do you think? I mean, there's been this long history of discussion about uh, mistreatment of Native Americans in Canadian residential schools and allegations of murders and and burying uh, murder victims. This article, though, does suggest that at least the latest episode of this story may have been exaggerated.
1: Well, actually, um, this past June, Kevin, we reported this story. And I remember being really appalled and um, demanded that the Catholic Church apologize and pay reparations to the children's descendants. And now we learn the story was concocted. But one of the things that it tells us about this story is I still fully believe that these mission schools are terrible Um they, they were terrible for indigenous children. Um, whether this murdered story was proved false or not, um, the ethnocide of indigenous peoples through these mission schools, I know to be true. Um, and so the point is, um, no matter where we stand, what we always have to um, definitely put a stake in the ground on is truth and setting the record. That setting the record straight always has to be our goal. What I think is really deplorable about this is the New York Times and many other organizations um, just trumpeted the story with extreme self-righteousness and um, anti-white hate. And um, I bet none of them has issued a correction. And um, it, they just callously use the pain of indigenous people to further their own ideological agenda.
0: Okay, well, is anti-white hate one of the big problems, one of the major forms of racism these days? Uh, I don't think the ADL has quite gone that far yet, um, although if it would help them bash Whoopi Goldberg, who knows, they might. Uh, but in the next story, we see uh, Juan Cole, who has the distinction of, just like Gordon Duff, coming on my radio show and then angrily hanging up on me halfway through. Uh, he, he couldn't handle discussing what really happened on 9-11. Well, Here he is making what I think is actually a valid point, which is as badly as these January 6th people are being treated in prison and as uh, over the top as some of the uh, anti-white identity rhetoric out there is, I don't think it even remotely compares to what Muslims went through after 9-11, that, uh, you know, Trump campaigning to register all Muslims in a database, uh, lock all Muslims out of the country. Uh, and of course the surveillance of every mosque in America that's utterly terrorized American Muslims into complete silence. Like I, I just ran into one down in El Paso recently who was, you know, just like practically every Muslim, you just start talking about them and the slightest political thing that starts to come up wow. and they just turn into a quivering blob of jelly, you know, so that this community has just been utterly terrorized. And I don't think that's happened to, uh, to white people yet. Well,
1: um, yes, they definitely have. The FBI has uh, like 10,000 uh, Muslims in their portfolio of informants that they can or people that they can um, um, induce into being informants. And yes, that it's bad. But what we have to remember is that um, the largest manhunt in U.S. history um, this past year and still ongoing has been for insurrectionists. I don't think Muslims are necessarily um, their perceived tra- threat. Um so I think they 've subdued the Muslim threat enough, and I think now maybe it hasn 't reached full proportions but what Cole is suggesting is that um they 've been so uh um focused on Muslim uh, of islamophobia that they couldn 't go after january six no they 're going full force after january sixth that 's where their full attention is it 's no longer on regular crime or even Muslims what it 's on is um the is is a full um, full court press after the January sixth because it lays the groundwork to then come after um, at, um, activists who are doing anti mandate work. They had to get that in order, so that's far more important than the Muslims um, and the outright lies. Um, I think that some of the best work yet has been done by Darren Beatty for Revolver News. Tucker uh, Carlson and Glenn Greenwald picked it up that the FBI planned, infiltrated and executed January 6th and that, um, the whole story of Ray Epps and a whole team of agents. And so, um, the, they're saying that they never went after them because they were so obsessed with Islamophobia. Islamophobia is so last decade. What's happening now is, deep penetration and and, um, infiltration and um, a complete um, um, setup ensnaring people. Um, And it's totally unconstitutional what's going on right now. So that's not to say that what happened to Muslims wasn't and still isn't bad, but that's kind of back burner. This is huge and they're acting like um, the FBI is doing nothing. No, they were deep in the middle of it.
0: Well, I would enjoy having you and uh, Juan Cole debate this on my radio show, but he'd probably just hang up on us, so I won't even try. Uh, Our next story, um, did you know that if you ask who rules over you, you are an anti-Semite quoting an infamous neo-Nazi? That's the point of this Yahoo News story. Uh, It turns out the quote is not from Voltaire, but from Kevin Alfred Strom, a notorious neo-Nazi convicted of child porn charges in 2008. Um, However, Paul Gibbard, a professor of the University of Western Australia and expert on Voltaire, says, well, the quote is not un So it's not un to say this. Maybe that's that's instead of, you know, giving the credit to Voltaire, just say it's not un
1: Well, the messenger does not obviate the truth of the quote. The quote is still completely valid. And that's what we have to remember. Whoever
0: said it, it's true. Yeah. And uh, Voltaire probably wishes he'd said it. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well let's let's get to the, the, this big story that we touched on earlier. Whoopi Goldberg, she's in in deep bleep uh and should be fired uh for having the temerity, nay, the unmitigated audacity to uh question whether Jews uh are not the most discriminated against and persecuted people in all of history. And anybody who even raises the possibility that that might not always be the case uh, needs to be pretty much uh, sent to the digital gas chambers. So she's in big trouble here, Kat. What do you think?
1: Well, I thought it was uh, interesting that ADL's Greenblatt told The View that they should fill the co-hosting vacancy with a Jewish person. So I hope that doesn't happen. But um, <laughs> I loved Whoopi's uh, appearance on Colbert when she said, I thought we were having a discussion because um, uh, I I heard Jimmy Dore um, accurately clarify that discussions these days only take place on Joe Rogan's show. So if Whoopi wants a discussion, she should go talk with Joe because this was a teachable moment. What the view should be have done is discuss discuss these issues, but the dumbing down of society doesn't allow for these thoughtful formats. And that's one of the reasons um, Joe Rogan has to be pilloried, because if the Joe Rogan model of in-depth discussions caught on, we'd be having a massive Chautauqua moment in the US. Heaven forbid the public actually be presented with an array of platforms for deep discussions.
0: Well, there there is a discussion to be had here. I mean, she is Jewish, right? I mean, she identifies, she, she converted to Judaism. And Goldberg, that sounds pretty Jewish. So she's Jewish. But now there's a certain group of Jews, the establishment Jews apparently, who don't want to recognize that. They want Jew Jewishness to be a race. Uh, and so then she really can't be one? I mean, in a way, that sounds like they're actually being racist towards her by saying, you're not really a first-class Jew because you're black. And Jews well, are...
1: She actually isn't. It's totally made up. She took on the name based on the supposed canard. Oh, that, really? She, she um, never,
0: she didn't convert.
1: She never converted. And oh, she claims yeah. in some interviews, well, I have it in my ancestry. She has zero Jewish ancestry. It's a total grift that she used. Her mother suggested she take the word, the name Goldberg so that she'd do better in Hollywood, which supports the, what's supposedly a canard is, um, the, the Jews own Hollywood. And that's a, she she's a living um example of the canard. Um no, she's not she has no Jewish blood at all. She's tried to say it and it'll probably come out, but no, she doesn't have any.
0: Well, you know, if she really wanted us to mistake her for, for genuinely Jewish, she should have picked a better first name. Whoopi, that's not a Jew. She should have been an Esther. Esther Goldberg would have been perfect. Uh anyway, well, moving on. Her name's
1: actually Karen Johnson, something like that. Karen so, Johnson.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a Karen. Um, wait, wait, black Jewish women cannot be Karens or black fake Jewish women can't be Karens. Anyway, let's move on to the, these kinds of rules. I can't keep all these rules straight. So how about Hollywood's rules? Hollywood has new rules. White male writers are not allowed. So I guess I'd better keep doing False Flag Weekly News here instead of trying to write for Hollywood.
1: Well, this was a very interesting story because um, this is... Um, the Jewish territory, Hollywood. I don't care what they say. Everybody knows it is. And um, this is where they have their most overt ownership, and now they can't even uh, get jobs. Um, What's interesting is that the new um, museum, it's an Academy Academy Museum of Motion Pictures, has completely left out the Jewish emigres from Eastern Europe story who created the film industry.
0: That's the story. Yeah. That's, That's the Hollywood story.
1: Well, that, no, but also the, uh, the Hollywood story is that there's all of these jobs that now have quotas and caps so that you have to hire so many actors, so only so many white actresses. And get this of the white actresses, half of them have to be trannies. Um, and you can only. Seriously. Um, Yes. Yes. you And like the, the people, the writers, oh, the writers are going crazy. So uh, because on, almost all the quotes here of the people who allowed themselves to quote, they were almost all Jewish. So all of these um, areas are, are so woke that now um, Jews are, um, are, are they white or are they separate? It's like the Ouroboros. They have promoted woke so much, yet now they've been caught with their pants down, and they failed to see that they have institutionalized the cancellation of their own culture in an industry they practically created themselves. So it's like they've toppled their own statue.
0: Okay. Well, we'll see where all this goes. I'm I'm skeptical about whether uh, the Jewish domination of Hollywood is going to end because of this uh, insane wave of woke, but I guess we'll see. Um, and, and speaking of the uh, you know, anti-Semitism watch stories here, how about the new wave of Holocaust revisionism, which is a dangerous new threat spreading rapidly in Eastern Europe. It's called Holocaust distortion. That is a false equivalence of victimization. That's what the New York Times tells us. So anyone explicitly or implicitly disputing that God's chosen people are by far the most victimized people ever and that nobody else's victimization even comes close is guilty of Holocaust distortion. Um, The polls who honor polls save Jews. Oh man, what a bunch of anti-Semitic racist Holocaust deniers. (laughs) Oh man, you can't make this stuff up.
1: Well, this uh, Hollywood distortion um, and saying it's a trend to obfuscate the Holocaust. An ironclad fixed story has been created um, that you um, 100% can't touch now. As if it's 100% true, no other perceptions are allowed. I say the trend is to democratize the storytelling, which is pretty impossible because they control the media. But part of that is, yes, let other people have suffering. They don't monopolize the suffering of World War II, which is what they're trying to do. But anytime you even want to celebrate, like the Poles are trying to celebrate um, their own heroes, it can only be done in a backhanded way of saying that you were helping uh, Jews. Uh, You can't say... We did um this glorious work as um as uh, Polish resistors. It can only be in the service of jews and it's not an alternative story that they're putting up It's an additional story, but they the the a d l types perceive it as crowding out it's not crowding out it's adding to and then they talk about memory patches that they're they're like uh revisionist history well let's talk about memory holes. Let's talk about German suffering. After World War II ended, 9 million Germans died. Nobody even talks about the untold story of what happened to Germans. Um, This whole fixation that World War II was practically about the Holocaust is a complete, uh, I think, hoax.
0: Yeah, I I agree completely. Uh, So uh, moving on to more uh, stories of suffering, so poor people trying to find housing in America these days are suffering. Uh, this article by Helen Byniski, our once and hopefully future uh, False Flag Weekly News colleague, uh, does a terrific job of looking at the way that BlackRock and Blackstone have grabbed up the housing industry. They've bought up entire neighborhoods of single-family homes. They've bought up all of the storage facilities. They're raising their rents on the homes and the storage facilities. They're gouging people who can't afford housing anymore. Uh, you know, this is a total outrage. And then they're blacklisting tenants. Anybody who pushes back against abuse gets blacklisted and they'll never rent anything again. If they're lucky, they may be able to live in a car. Um, this is, this is no, no wonder people are angry. You know, I, I think the tr- there's gonna be a trucker convoy with people like living in their cars and their buses and their RVs. Uh, there's gonna be a, a, a bigger convoy coming to America pretty soon the way, the way this is going.
1: That's, that's a great concept. Yeah. Everybody on the housing convoy. Um, well, what this is also is a massive land transfer from the middle class to the rich because the houses are never as valuable as the land itself. And um, after World War II, so many people got to own their own property. And now we're regressing, downwardly mobile with a vengeance. And they're doing to uh, to. Plus, what was done to um, individual Native Americans, they picked them off one by one until eventually entire reservations became picked clean and almost totally sold into outsiders' hands. And that's what's happening today. Middle class homeowners individually are being picked off one by one such that the entire neighborhoods end up as rental communities. And now they're propagandizing, as the article says, to buy into it, to believe that ownership is burdensome and will really be happier renting, which is just fits squarely in with the, the new world orders, you will own nothing and be happy. Um, we know the asset managers who own the entire vertical of the housing um, industry, we know who they are.
0: Okay, and so the next story is just, uh adding more information on this. This is a Washington Post instead of Helen Byniski pointing out that the rents are up thirty percent in cities uh knocking millions of people out of their homes. So yeah, this is getting pretty, pretty ugly. And I, I do hope there will be a, a, a big convoy to DC pretty soon. So that's all part of the larger story of the rich getting richer. Our our next slide about COVID aid that supposedly bailed out the working class, right? The Paycheck Protection Program, PPP. It didn't protect the paychecks. It protected the bosses. Richest Americans got the most money. And even the mainstream is now admitting that.
1: Um, Yeah, it's um, they they create the fire and then they act like they're such saviors for putting it out. Um, I'm just so sick of the lies of the mainstream media propaganda. Uh, Just one of them in this story. The 2020 downturn was an abrupt shock with a single cause the covid virus the covid ah. virus had nothing to do with it yeah, it lockdown. was yeah it was yeah. just used and orchestrated to to lock down america
0: yeah well they they managed to slip a lot of lies into all of these stories you know if you, if we could get paid like a dollar for every lie we find in a newspaper you know we could make pretty good money well how about the student debt uh, issue that's the next slide Uh when asked why he'd taken a meat axe to higher education and was pricing college out of the reach of most Americans, Ronald Reagan, back in the 60s, said that college students were too liberal and America should, quote, should not subsidize intellectual curiosity. This is from Tom Hartman. Is that a legitimate quote from Ronald Reagan? I assume it probably is. Wouldn't surprise me because that's the truth the uh, powers that be, not just Reagan, but the trilateralists actually went on record saying that there was an excess of democracy in the 60s. And one of the ways to deal with that is to stop funding liberal education. And so suddenly we went from free college to a very, very expensive college, getting everybody in debt. And uh, now it's a huge drag on the economy.
1: Well, they shot themselves in the foot in many ways, not just these poor millennials who can't afford uh, a house or um, a a lifestyle, but... What they did was they were trying to get rid of the liberals in the education system because probably from uh, anti-war and anti-establishment, but they shot themselves in the foot because actually they exacerbated the problem. Um, there was a broad democratic base of students who were in the universities of all different stripes and colors or whatever. Well, maybe not as much colors, but still of, of, a broad democratic base in the universities. And what they did was when they took away the money, um, it became a very narrow uh, cadre of a certain type of student. Um, and in universities, the universities basically got taken over because there wasn't a broad democratic base to to keep it in balance. And so um, the 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 whole um, reason for this was to uh, put students in debt so the bankers get money. And what that ended up doing was putting the universities in control of um, the whole woke um, critical race theory culture because um, there wasn't a plurality of opinion. And so basically, net net, the universities and the banks are now in the hands of you know who.
0: I I do know who. (laughs) But uh, who are we not allowed to criticize and who are we not allowed to name? I don't know. Let's uh, let's move on to the biological oddities section of our show, the final section. Um, first one, it seems that a guy who thinks he's a girl can crush the actual women in the 1650 meter freestyle by 38 seconds. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, this kind of stuff just parodies itself.
1: Yeah, it's really bad. And they're really not taking him out. They just punted because, um, they said they can, um, in, um, somebody has to qualify with testosterone levels for three years. Well, this guy, Thomas, um, in, in two months after the main championship, he, um, has qualified. So it's just a punt in two months. He's going to be back at the, at, at the swimming meets in his girls swimming suit. Um, he's been, sh- I don't know if you uh, saw this, but he walks around the locker room showing his male genitalia, these poor women, it's so much for women's sports.
0: Yeah. Somehow we think the feminists wouldn't like that, but Hey, what do I know? Anyway, <laughs> our final, uh, story on biological oddities here is actually, uh, every now and then I actually write a parody that's intended to make you scratch your head a little bit. To, is this real or not? You know, usually I try to do it so outrageous that you'll know, but in this case, uh CDC issuing COVID vaccine recommendation for fetuses. And it, it actually is almost plausible until you get to the point. Uh, well, Walensky explained that fetuses typically inhabit small spaces with poor ventilation, which elevates their risk of catching COVID. Additionally, the recommended six feet of social distance between mother and fetus is almost impossible to maintain. And what's worse, many expectant mothers find it difficult to ensure that their fetuses wear their masks properly. By that point, you should be figuring out that this is a parody, but the way the CDC is going, it's going to be getting harder and harder to parody them.
1: Well, I don't think we're going to have a fetus problem anyway, because the vaccines are sterilizing people.
0: There you go. And that may be the uh, the real intention, but I guess we'll find out later because the definitive uh, controlled study hasn't yet been done. More research is necessary, and we'll be here to report on the research right here at Forest Flag Weekly News next week and thereafter. Thank you so much, Uh, Kat McGuire. It's always great doing the show with you. You're doing wonderful work organizing, uh, commenting, and thinking it all through, so keep it up.
1: Okay, great. Thank you to our
0: viewers and supporters for helping us catch up on our fundraiser. Uh, much gratitude for that and see you guys next week. Bye.